Hello, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Agency Rainmaker TV. This is where we look at how do you make it rain if you're an agency owner. One of the important things to do is to speak. We, you know I'm a big advocate of writing and having a book, and that's a great tool. Speaking is the great strategy, and we've got Frank King with us today to talk about a very important speaking strategy. Frank, uh, so good to see you. What are you going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about how do, you, how do you land and leverage a TEDx talk? Well, have you landed a TEDx talk, Frank? As a matter of fact, I need to update you, Henry. Since I saw you last in La Jolla, I have booked my 10th. 10th? Yep. Out in El Cajon, I do believe, TEDx Taft Avenue. And I booked my 11th TEDx Woodenville, October 14th. That's Woodenville uh, up in the Seattle area. That's amazing. Well, Frank, who do you help get TEDx talks? Uh, speakers, you mentioned. Uh, authors, coaches, agency owners, strategic consultants. All people who a TEDx talk is an important piece of credibility to get other speeches where you can say, oh, well, why don't you check out my, for you, one of my 11 TEDx talks. <laughs> That's right. That well, is a know, record, isn't it, Frank? That's the record? It is a world record, yes. Uh, Bill Gates has eight. Your move, Bill. It's... <laughs> And I get the question all the time, am I going to get a booking from a TEDx? I cannot draw a straight line from a TEDx to a booking. However, credibility, visibility, marketability, you know, you should have a picture of you in front of those big red letters on your homepage and every one pager in your arsenal. You should have your TEDx as, you know, slices of it in your sizzle reel, your demo video. So, you know, I imagine if you're up against somebody who speaks on your topic or consults on your topic or whatever, and you have a TEDx and they don't, can't swear you're going to get it because of that, but it, I, I can't imagine it doesn't give you a leg up. It can, it can tip the scales. Someone asked a question like, well, what, should I do this? And why should I do it? And I said, oh, well, they're considering two speakers. Uh, one has a TEDx talk, one doesn't. Who gets chosen? <laughs> yeah. And they said, so where do I sign up to learn about these 10 x Exactly. So yes, exactly. It's a scale tipper. Well, talk about the what, what you do with people to help them get a TEDx booking. Well, soup to nuts, Henry. Okay. I begin with, I actually do one-on-one -on -one for an hour, an hour a week, one-on-one -on, -one on Zoom. And we begin with, okay, what are you passionate about? And of course, a lot of people are passionate about more than one thing. So we sort through those. And we find A, either the thing they're most passionate about or B, the thing they're most passionate about that I think has legs and would be their, you know, their best TEDx, their first pitch for a TEDx. And I, I charge a flat fee. And if you have, we just keep working until you run out of ideas. So I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got two clients with three TEDx talks. Um, after we decide what your passion is, because that's one of the things that I believe is in every good TED or TEDx is passion. It's hard to be inspiring if you're not inspired. Mm. Uh, and then we go from there to filling out one or two applications a week because there are a couple of hundred TEDx talks in the U.S., 3,000 worldwide, and it is a bit of a numbers game. And once we have scored an audition, that's the goal. And, and I think the best way to score an audition, Henry, is to be extremely creative in the application or on the application, whatever you put in those first couple of blanks, 
better grab their attention because most TEDx events get 100, 200 applications. If it's my job to go through those, I'm not looking for the first reason to give you an audition. I'm looking for the first reason to throw you in the no pile, go to the next one. So we yeah. work very hard on title, subtitle, 10 to 15 word elevator pitch, you know, summarizing your idea in one to three sentences. And I believe the title should be English words that we know the meaning of, but really doesn't tell you what the TEDx idea is. They have to read the subtitle to get an idea what the idea is. And if they read the subtitle, maybe they'll read the three sentence description and maybe they'll read why you're the person that should be doing this. And maybe they'll read the other big question, why should anybody care? The farther we get them to read down the application, I believe, uh, the more likely you're going to get an audition. I've had two, two, my fourth and fifth TEDx's where my title and subtitles were so good. They said, no, you don't have to audition. You're on. So hmm. when you get the audition, I help you prepare for the audition because they almost always ask you a couple of questions. One, they'll say, hey, great idea, Henry. Now, what are you going to teach the audience? So we do a like a word doc, bullet pointed, three to five things you're going to teach the audience. And then they may say, almost always say, okay, what about action items? And we do another document with one to three action items so that you don't get blown out at the audition on a procedural call. You have your ducks in a row for the audition. And then if you get the TEDx talk, we work on the actual TEDx talk and they give you somewhere between eight and 18 minutes. And so I help you construct the best, you know, most likely to go viral TEDx talk in the number of minutes that they give us. And then as a bonus, I help you leverage that to, you know, up your fees, increase the number of bookings you get. Again, it's a marketing tool. It's and there are several things you can do because just because it goes up on YouTube doesn't mean the world's going to be the path to your door. You need to leverage that. You need to be proactive. Like I said, picture on your homepage, on your one pagers, in your you know video in your demo reel like that merchandise 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 it so frank some people they have their business topic and they want to talk about their business topic and that can be a non-starter for tedx why don't you talk about it needs to be a big idea yes it's uh i'll give you an example leadership i have a number of leadership speakers and I say to them, look, if the leadership, the techniques you're teaching, what you're going to teach the audience, if these are not transferable to leading anyone, you know, a congregation, a Boy Scout troop, a Girl Scout troop, a sports team, a family, then we don't need to proceed because they want, the TEDx folks want it to have an impact on the, the most people. Anybody with an internet connection in the world can see this. And not everybody needs this information for a business. So it needs to be a big idea and it needs to be broad enough that most anybody who watches can get something out of the TEDx. So, yeah, so it can be, you know, it can be a business topic can be limiting unless the skills you're teaching are transferable. Frank, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't get a little background about you because we met, oh, probably 20 years ago. You were a stand-up comedian and I've watched your journey and uh, really take a pivot when you found your message. Uh, could you share your story, please? Yes, started comedy in um, in San Diego, La Jolla. April 1st, April Fool's Day, 1984, did my first open mic night. I'd known since the fourth grade that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I told a joke, the kids laughed, the teacher was hysterical. That's when I decided to be a stand-up comedian. Got on stage in La Jolla, 
in the middle of my five minute routine, I heard a voice inside my head, you're home. Mm. My second thought was I'm going to do this for a living. I have absolutely no idea how. Thought about writing a keynote, Henry Call. What could you do if you didn't know no better? Because I had no idea how hard it was to make a living as a stand-up. And I did until the last recession, 2007 actually, was my best year ever as a comic. 96 gigs, over 200,000 gross telling jokes. And then came the recession. What could possibly go wrong? Yes, exactly. And I, we lost everything in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And that's when I learned what the barrel of my gun tasted like. Mm. Uh, spoiler alert, I did not pull the trigger. And it actually, I didn't know at the time, launched me into my speaking career. Because when speaking came back, a meeting planner said to me, Frank, we love you. We just can't pay you, you know, that much money. Just to be funny, you've got to teach the audience something. And I thought, what in the world? I, I always, Henry... Wanted to make a living and a difference. I just had no idea how. And a friend of mine, a friend of yours, Judy Carter, said, read my book, The Message of You, Turning Your Life into a Money-Making Speaking Career. Yeah. She said, trust me, Frank. And it's a great book in that it's almost a fill-in-the-blank. She, she walks you up to your heart story, the one that makes the hair on your arm stand up, the one you cannot help but share. I realized, given my close brush with suicide, the two mental illnesses I live with, my family, my family, there are more nuts in my family than squirrel poop. I realized I could keynote on suicide prevention as a workplace health and safety issue if I got some training, you know, some accreditation. And I did. Now, Henry, here's where the TEDx comes in. Second hurdle. I've been doing comedy for two and a half decades. Who's going to believe I can do anything serious? So that week I got an application emailed from a TEDx in Vancouver, BC. Filled it out, got the audition, flew up because I knew the story I had to tell would have much more impact at five minutes in person. And it did, I got booked. And then following that, two other TEDx events reached out to me and said, do you have any more mental health topics? Oh, yes. And so that's how I began my, and it convinced meeting planners and speakers bureaus that I could in fact do something, something serious. And I am the mental health comedian. So each TEDx I do on mental health, one aspect or another, helps build my brand. I, I tell my speaker coaching clients, look, what you're trying to do is no longer be a commodity speaking on your topic. The long game is when somebody comes looking for a speaker on your topic, they don't want just anybody. They come looking for you. It's a long game, but it's happened a number of times. It always makes my heart sing. I think Judy Carter's The Message of You is one of the top three books on this whole business of being an expert who speaks. Mm -hmm. And her insight from that book is most people think there's an oversupply of speakers and an undersupply of people willing to pay them. And the truth is there's an oversupply of people willing to pay a speaker with a message who can also stir up emotions. And I know, Frank, your speaking uh, makes people think, but it also tugs at heartstrings. Um, it makes people feel noble. And these supervisors who you're helping spot this in the workplace, that's a noble thing to do. And then you also tickle the funny bone. And as you say, you can't make fun of a group unless you belong to it. So yeah, uh, that's there you go. Well, um, and I tell my speakers, Henry, 
uh, the same thing you said, you know, a, a, a speech that moves him emotionally, perhaps from pole to pole, from laughter to tears and back. And, and because I go on stage and I'm vulnerable, talk about my mental illnesses, talk about my near suicide. Um, I, there are tears in the eyes. And of course, as a mental health comedian, there's some comic relief. They call it comic relief for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I picked a lane. That's um, what's the wealthy speaker, Jane Atkinson. Jane Atkinson, the wealthy speaker. I encourage my speakers to pick a lane. Again, be the expert, the thought leader. Don't be a generalist, a jack or jill of all trades, all speeches. I was, I, I just did a thing the other day and I said, look, it's like this. You need open heart surgery. You want a general surgeon who does a couple of open heart surgeries a month? Or do you want the cardiac surgeon who does a couple, three or four cardiac surgeries a day? If I'm a meeting planner, I'm looking for the yeah. speaker on that topic. Can I tell you a funny story? Please do. I have I'll be the judge pages. of that, but go ahead. <laughs> That's right. I'll be the judge of that. I have landing pages for all six. And I chose, I tell my speaker coaching clients, pick four to six ideal client groups. People that have a meeting, have money to pay speakers, use outside speakers, and have a pain point you address. Mm -hmm. So I picked six of the top 10 at-risk occupations for suicide. And I've got a landing page for each. And a woman in Iowa was looking for a suicide prevention speaker, agriculture. So she typed in suicide prevention speaker, agriculture. And I have the mental health comedian.com forward slash agriculture. And she, wow. I said, how'd you find me? She goes, well, Frank, I, I just on a whim typed in suicide prevention speaker, agriculture. You came up. And I believe on your page, you should join the conversation in the client's head, Henry. She goes, it was crazy, Frank. I'm reading your first paragraph and it says, hey, I bet you've been chosen to find just the right suicide prevention speaker for agriculture. She said to me, how does he know that? How does he know? Yes. Join the conversation in the potential client's head. <laughs> um. And let's let's hope you're not arguing with the person in their head. But okay, <laughs> so going forward. Well, uh, let me shift gears, uh, Frank. How do you make it rain for Frank King? You've shared a little insight here, but how do you find clients? Well, Henry, you know, I decided to take the riches and the niches. Somebody told me that in '95 at an NSA meeting. It took me until about 2014 or 15 to to adopt that attitude, and I thought. I'm doing a poor job on all five of the social media platforms I'm pitching people on. I think I should just pick one social media platform and go deep. And I got an email from a guy named Mike Weiss, Cloud Selling, that week. I had a 45-minute video about his program on LinkedIn. And I thought, all right, I'm in. So, I, I mean, I have an Instagram, a Twitter, a Facebook, and so forth. And I, I post my podcast appearances on there for the SEO value. But... I only spend money, time, and effort on LinkedIn, and it's paid off. I, In the last 12 months, thanks to Mike, I've had over 5 million views of my posts. I've had two TEDx events reach out to me to provide speakers for them. I got a call, a phone call. I didn't even know LinkedIn had phones. Called to say, we're doing, doing an article on how do you become a, a keynote speaker? Would you like to contribute? And I launched a newsletter the second week in April, I'm doing it every other week. I got another one. My third one's coming out this Thursday. And I've already got 2,701 subscribers. So the answer to your question is LinkedIn. LinkedIn Go deep, maybe. not wide. Pick a platform and dominate. Yeah. 
Now, you also picked several uh, niches or niches if we're in Canada. We don't even know how to say the word. Uh, so, uh, you know, reaches and niches if you're in Canada. So you've picked several. I know the dental industry has uh, a high rate. Yep. Uh, I didn't know about agriculture. Um, what might be a couple of others that come to mind? Well, and on the subject of dental, Henry, and this this is is evidence of of the success of picking a lane and picking ideal clients. If you go to, if you type in suicide prevention speakers plural dental, you will find that I have probably four or five of the first organic listings on page one and if you skip down a couple i've got number six and seven on page one um agriculture attorneys veterinarians dentists um and construction has the worst the highest rate a thousand people die by accident every year in construction five thousand die by suicide in construction your employees are much more likely to jump off the building than fall off it they have got a ridiculously bad problem wow Wow. Well, thank you for your noble work that you're doing to helping these people and those people who can help those people and impact them. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Frank. And again, if people wanted to find you, where would they look for you, Frank King? Well, on LinkedIn, as you might imagine, or uh, thementalhealthcomedian.com or mentalhealthcomedian.com or just type in Frank King, mental health comedian, you'll find me. I'm okay. a, a large footprint. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. This has been another episode of Agency Rainmaker TV. And until next time, make it rain. <laughs>